0: Good morning again, and welcome to the Saturday Morning Show here on WGN Radio Chicago. Orion Samuelson with you to be joined uh, during the next hour by Jim Fazell, by uh, Rich Gebert, who is president of the Illinois Farm Bureau, and by Mike Pearson and Dan Bossie and uh, Max is going to visit with the governor of Nebraska. All of that coming up here on the Saturday Morning Show. But before we do anything, it's apple picking time, and we'll get more on that from Jim Fizzell when we continue here on the Saturday Morning Show. It's Jim Fazell time here on the Saturday morning show as we check in with Jim for a few more weeks that we'll have gardening outdoors before the snow flies. So Jim, good morning and uh, what do we got on the agenda this morning?
1: Well, it's fall, and if you've been outside this morning, you know it's a little bit brisk. But when yes. we get this kind of weather, it reminds me that it's time for apples. You know, I always look forward every year to, to apple time and apple pies. Uh, we're going to be heading up to Apple County, Wisconsin. You're part of the country, the Kickapoo here presently. One of the, one of these days, we'll do probably on the spur of the moment. Apple Fest is up there at Gaze Mills, and uh, that's always a good time to be up there. Plenty of apples around. I've talked to some of the growers, and they say that the crop is right on time. You folks who like Honeycrisp, it's in right now, and the quality is excellent. We've had warm days and cool nights lately, and it's a beautiful time for apple production. Now, there are several places that you can get this. The pick your own farms and community markets are ready right now. In fact, uh, some of the early apples have been on the market already, so this is the time. Uh, as I said before, the season is just about on time, particularly in, in this area. In some areas, it's actually a little bit early. And the things that are available right now, the varieties are ones that people look for, like Gala. Uh, that's in the markets already. Polaretta is also available, and you need to call ahead if that's what you want, because one of the orchards I talked to said, they're already out of Paula Red, very popular. The most popular one, of course, is Honeycrisp And uh, that is in right now Throughout the area Cortland's are also in Those are number one as far as I'm concerned for making pies A little bit later for Jonathan's And Golden Delicious And of course the Red Delicious and, and uh, Rome's Are are late in this month Then the next next month uh, you're going to have to wait For things like the Mutsu or the Fuji's, Which are very good eating apples And if you like Granny Smith to make pies You're not going to get those until November Now uh, the kinds for eating uh, the fresh-picked ones are actually the tastiest apples, not stored. And they're certainly not styrofoam with the skin. Some of the apples that we buy that have been stored, especially some that come from farther parts of the country or other out of other countries, uh, they've been stored for a long time. And uh, the skin on them can really be tough. Of course, I said there are many kinds that are available, but if you're going to want... for Fresh eating. Honey crisp is number one. Uh, then followed by Gala and Mutsu. Uh, for making pies, Cortland is number one. Um, it's, uh, it's not a soft apple. It doesn't get mushy, but it isn't crisp like Granny Smith. Granny Smith stays crisp, and if you like crunchy apples in your apple pie, that's the one to get. Uh, another one that we use when we can't get Cortland is Golden Delicious, and of course, Macintosh, an old-time variety, has been around a long time. Everybody that has Made a pie out of Macintosh so you can't get anything better. Well, I argue with that because Cortland's almost the same. And what you really need to do, try varieties for yourself. Some can be mushy, some can be too hard. Uh, if you like a little of both of them, mix varieties for an interesting taste and texture. That's that's something a lot of people haven't thought of. That you can mix these varieties up, put a couple, three different different ones into a pie, and you'll really enjoy not just the the uh, texture, the crunchiness, but the, the tastes are different as well. And where do you get them? Pick your own farms are open. You can get ads in the paper to see where they are, and the, the ones that are open. Uh, ones that are around here, are all season up in Woodstock, I know is open. Royal Ark and Har Royal Oak in Harvard, uh, Kuyper's down in Maple Park. Uh, if you're curious to where these are and which ones are available, uh, check with your farm bureau in your county. They have lists of the people that have pick your own farms and roadside stands. Of course, out of state, we go up to apple country at Sunrise Orchards up in Wisconsin. And there are just a lot of places up in Wisconsin where you can get wonderful apples and in Michigan. Uh, unfortunately, our good friend over in, uh, in Michigan, um, uh, Herb, Herb Teichman, Teichman.
0: Is, yep. his
1: place is no longer in business, and we're really going to miss them because we enjoyed going over there in the fall as well. In uh, the community farmers' markets, your community markets do have apples. Uh, they bring them in from parts of Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, and Wisconsin, where those growers come specifically. They grow specifically for community markets, and they will be in your particular market in your community uh, with their apples. Now, I want to caution you one thing. Caution you one thing because of the Covid out there a lot of these places that have pick your own uh roadside stands and so forth have protocols in place and before you go up you need to call to find out what they are also call to find out what kind of varieties are available not all varieties are available all the time Uh, if the timing is a little off and you want a particular variety but they don't have it and you take a, a long car ride out to get that one you're going to be disappointed so call ahead uh, many of them have an answering service or, or a recorder on their phone. They can tell you what is in and uh, when things will be in. And they'll also tell you whether you need masks, whether you can pick the apples or whether you have to go and get apples that somebody else has already picked because they don't want you out touching other apples. Whatever their protocols are, you need to find out what those are ahead of time. Uh, and then be prepared when you go out so you're not surprised when you get there. Um, Prices, you know, it's very interesting. Uh, the Prices are a little bit expensive this year, and that's partially because of the labor supply. There's a shortage of labor in this area to pick apples, uh, but they're running about a dollar a pound, uh, more or less. And uh, if you buy a half bushel or a bushel, they're less than that. But if you're looking for Honeycrisp, it's a pre- premium apple, and the prices are always going to be higher on them. So if you're interested in something that's really quality, don't worry about the price. Get the Honeycrisp. Just want well, to mention I- about... I'm sorry?
2: You're
0: no, I was, into- I was just going to say you're going to Gays Mills, because when I was a kid growing up on the farm in Wisconsin, an annual trip we always made was to Apple Country and uh, Gays Mills, Soldiers Grove, and those towns in the Kickapoo Valley, so I know where you're going.
1: Right, and we do this every year as well. Uh, even though uh, grandma's no longer with us. Uh, she died last year. We still go up there because you can't get, uh, it, it's a beautiful part of the country. You knew, you, yes. you know, you grew up there. It's a hilly country. Yeah. The, the trees aren't quite starting to color yet, but they will be. It's a gorgeous place. Maybe by the time we get up there, cre- trees will be coloring up. But it, it's just a good place to go. It doesn't take too long to get up there. Uh, there are places to stay when you do get up there in some of the surrounding towns. But we will go to Gays Mills for Apple Fest. Uh, it's always an interesting time, fun time up there. A lot of people from all over the country go into Gays Mills at that time of year, so it's exciting. Anyway, I was going to talk about growing your own apples. Uh, if you're going to do that, you need to to uh, make some plans way ahead of time, because that's going to be a multi-year commitment and you don't want to do it if you're, if you're unsure. If you're going to get tired of it after five years, and there's just a lot of things that you need to do to grow apples, you've got to be able to spray them. You have to have room to get around them. You have to know how to prune them and so forth. But anyway, get out and enjoy this spectacular weather. Uh, go pick some apples and make an apple pie. Call her in and me when you get them done.
0: We'll be around. Yeah, uh, we, we sure will. Well, very good. <laughs> and uh, you have a safe trip up to the Kickapoo Valley and enjoy all of the apples that you'll get from there and and we'll talk to you, what, next week?
1: Next week. I'll bring an apple back, Orion.
0: Okay, I'll look forward to that. Our visit with Jim Fazell, our specialist in ornamental horticulture, here on the Saturday Morning Show. It's 20 minutes after 5 o'clock here on the Saturday morning show, and it looks like a nice day ahead of us. And there's something that uh, those of us in the Chicago area are hearing a lot about these days. It's the tax bill. Fair tax or not so fair? Well, we're going to talk to the president of the Illinois Farm Bureau to get his view on what that fair tax bill will mean to farmers, when we continue here on the saturday morning show well it has been a while since we've had the opportunity to talk to rich gebert who is president of the illinois farm bureau approaching harvest time of course but my golly we've had a couple of things happening in the nation's agriculture that i want to talk to you about rich so uh, well my first question is how does the crop look before you roll the combines
3: well, in Southern Illinois, they look pretty good. They're drying down. Uh, some of our neighbors have started. Uh, not a super bumper crop, but uh, it's it's really a good looking crop, and it's down in in the low twenties. Uh, I've heard reports of a couple soybeans being cut of the you know the the early real early maturing ones, and they've been pretty decent. No no eighty bushel beans, but sixties uh, and mid sixties and. Everybody's happy so far. And the price has been coming up the last week or 10 days, and so uh, that puts a smile on your face.
0: Well, then let's talk about prices that uh, will be in effect after the announcement from President uh, Trump on the additional aid for agriculture. Give me your reaction to that.
3: Well, we're very pleased. We have heard for the last couple weeks uh, that there was an aid package being put together. And uh, it was coming. It would be announced, um, uh, uh, you know, within, well, this was 10 days ago. Uh, within the week, next week or 10 days. And so we've all been, you know, really looking forward to that uh, coming out. And, and today uh, we had a, um, had a conference call uh, with the White House. Uh, talking about, um, you know, the CFAB program coming out or CFAB 2, which is uh, better known for. Basically, there's three tranches one for the grains, uh, one for livestock, and then one for specialty growers. Uh, it's going to, you know, I, I don't know if you want to dive all the way down into to the prices, but basically, it's, it's very similar to the first round uh, right. that's going to make up uh, for the shortfall. After April 15th uh, through August, and sign up begins uh, Monday morning uh, at your local FSA office. So we're very happy with that. Um, And, you know, I think our farmers could use um, uh, an influx of cash into their checking accounts uh, to help them... uh, uh, since we since we just got uh, our crop insurance bills in the mail that are due at the end of the month. So it'll be very uh, very timely.
0: A busy time for you, and I'm telling my listeners that I would suggest they make an appointment to get into their county office so that they can get the details because I would guess it's going to be a little different for a lot of people.
3: Absolutely, and, and we were informed today, just like uh, on the CFAB 1, if you go to the farmers. dot gov. dot uh, website, uh, you can get the information all right there on the USDA website and the sheet to fill out. And fax or either email with your information uh, going right to the FSA office so they can process
0: it. And I did so see December. Quick. Yeah, December 11 will be the deadline for getting it done.
3: Yes, absolutely. December 11th, so if you haven't started harvest yet, it might be a good uh, choice to call, get an appointment, or get the paperwork off the website and get it sent in, and sooner you send it in, the sooner you'll get a check, I believe
0: okay well let me talk to you about item number two we're being bombarded on tv here in the chicago area to vote yes or vote no on this tax bill that's on the ballot but uh, i read your article in your farm week magazine uh, a few weeks ago and so i'd like to hear your viewpoint on how that will affect farmers or it may not
3: well, first, let me start or end, uh, by saying that our policy has supported a flat tax, a flat income tax, state income tax, for years. And um, as, as you're well aware, uh, we as, as, or I as the president or vice president or director or county president, we support our policy uh, moving forward. And when the governor put this um, out on uh, to the legislatures and they approved it, Um, to approve uh, creation of a progressive income tax structure, which is really going to be challenging for for our folks or any any citizen here in the state of Illinois. Um, So, you know, keep what what we're really worried about is uh, the current flat tax protects all taxpayers, keeps all lawmakers accountable to all taxpayers when raising the taxes, and when they do raise the taxes under the flat tax, it raises every level and on uh, every tax rate in every, on the schedule for every different um, uh, category there is. Uh, Sets so one tax rate that applies fairly to all and provides a tax rate stability and predictability for us as individuals, uh, farmers, families, and businesses all across this state.
0: The challenges of, that we do see... Go ahead. Go ahead, Dorian. No, no, go ahead. I'll wait for you.
3: Uh, the challenges is um, that the income tax hike can be designed to affect only specific groups of people. And where we have heartburn uh, going forward is that the General Assembly can change the tax rate and the tax schedule with a simple majority anytime they wish going forward without any input from the taxpayers or the citizens of the state of illinois and uh... that gives us heartburn uh... going the,
0: forward the uh, commercial that i see that says vote uh, yes to quote fair tax it talks about uh, a lot of the different phases of the uh... citizenship but what will it do to farmers?
3: Well, it depends on what tax brackets you're in and uh, how how that affects. Uh, if if you have and you know how uh, farmers' taxes can fluctuate, our incomes can fluctuate year in and year out. Um, right. That can put them in a higher tax bracket if they don't do appropriate tax planning, or if individuals sell their farm or whatever. The case may be that they have income over two hundred and fifty thousand. Uh, they will pay a higher rate under this proposal. Now the, the legislators say that it is only going to tax those making over two hundred and fifty thousand or more. Well, that amount of those what what we have seen figures is only going to raise about three billion dollars, two and a half to three billion dollars. If you look at our state challenges with the, you know, the pension liability we have, the 7 or $8 billion of unpaid bills, uh, that 2 or $3 billion is not going to go very far. And I can't help but believe are what we've seen our neighbors around us that have moved to this progressive tax have changed their rates within a couple years of its passage and lowered, the uh, raised the rates on the lowered um, income rates in that tax schedule.
0: So it wouldn't be good news for farmers whose income varies a great deal from year to year.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, farmers pay quite a bit of taxes and support the local communities with property taxes as
0: well. I know they do. So again, you're saying in Farm Bureau, vote no on the tax bill. Absolutely. Well, I hope that uh, you all get voted so that the harvest doesn't slow you down and keep you from being there to vote, and uh, I would certainly agree with you because I see the headline that says 97% of the taxpayers will not see an increase, but I'm not sure that's true. Well, not for the long haul anyway. Right. So anyway, good weather. I hope we don't get any more hurricanes coming up the Mississippi, and you have a safe and a, a good harvest. And thank you for taking time to visit with us.
3: It's always my pleasure to talk with you and your listeners up in the Chicago land area, and I wish you well, and thank you very much. We will stay, do our best to stay safe. Thank you, Okay. Warren.
0: You do that. Rich Gebert, president of the Illinois Farm Bureau here on the Saturday Morning Show. It's a chilly morning here in this part of the Midwest. My thermometer outside my house here in Huntley, Illinois, says 39 degrees at the moment. And it's a sign that, yes, fall officially... I'm not sure if it's meteorologically, but officially will arrive next Tuesday here in the Chicago area. So we'll get ready for that and all of the other autumn or fall events that take place agriculturally and for all of us. So uh, let's get ready for that. But right now, it's time for Samuelson Says, I'm Orion with what has become an annual event here on the show. Well, it's that time of the year again. Time for the annual Samuelson Safety Sermon at Harvest Time on farms and ranches across the United States. I do this every year because farming is a dangerous occupation every month of the year, but even more so at harvest time. So let me lead with my number one rule for you this year. Don't ever, don't ever go into a grain bin by yourself, whether it's a quarter full, half full, or whatever. Don't ever go in alone. Always make sure there is somebody nearby to hear you in case you get in trouble and have to call for help. Because in a matter of minutes, you can become entrapped in a grain bin, unable to move. A recent story pointed that out when a farmer suddenly found himself up to his waist, buried in grain, couldn't move his legs. But luckily, he had someone close enough to hear him call for help, get the local fire department out to free him and extricate him from that burial It can happen so quickly that you don't really have time to take action. And then secondly, you will be driving slow-moving equipment on rural roads and highways, combines, grain wagons, tractors. You have every right to be there, but remember, you're backing up a lot of cars behind you who have to go slowly because of you, who get very impatient and try to get around you without having good vision. That can lead to accidents deadly. And then third, make sure you have a fire extinguisher on that combine. I see too many videos every year of combines that are burned because fires get started and there's no other way to put them out quickly. So you could lose maybe your life, but certainly a valuable piece of equipment. So, hear my sermon, be safe, be careful, and please follow those rules. My thoughts on Samuelson Says. It's a presentation of the next Arm Media Group, and that takes us to twenty minutes before six o'clock here on the Saturday morning show. Always fun to have you join us every week here to talk about what I have called for decades the most important job on the planet producing food for the growing population. So uh, keep that in mind as we watch the crops being harvested and as we continue to enjoy the crops from our garden. But right now, time to talk markets, what happened this week and what could be happening. So uh, we'll check in with Mike Pearson and his guest when we continue on the Saturday morning show.
4: We know a lot of farmers are watching the skies as they get ready for harvest. And to help us understand what's going on in the markets, we are joined by Dan Bossie of Ag Resource Company. Dan, thanks for taking the time to talk with us today.
5: Oh, Mike, always my pleasure. I'm glad to be with you. Lots going on in the egg markets. All of it good for the moment for the farm. Well, that's
4: the truth. And let's talk about corn right off the bat. We've got the December contract trading higher than it has any time since March. How aggressive should growers be before they really
5: know what's out in those fields? Well, I think at the moment, this is a rally. Farmers do need to be rewarding. We still don't know exactly about the Chinese demand, and that's the big question for the marketplace, in that the Chinese have bought about 9 million metric tons of corn. Let's call it 350 million bushels. They'll be adding to that, but how much is really uncertain. If there's not more than a couple million metric tons, or let's say 80 or 100 million bushels, then farmers need to be aggressive. If China buys more, then we'll of course see higher levels, may make it up to 380 or 385, but I do believe this three 70 to 380 area is a place farmers need to be looking at and making some sales
4: well now and you mentioned the chinese demand there we heard earlier this week that china's corn crop may be off as much as 10 percent thanks to the uh, pervasive flooding that has really decimated that country is that where you see a lot of this additional chinese demand coming from
5: i think it's more political i think that the chinese because of phase one and wanting to have a book on before the election in the united states are coming to the united states and buying a fair amount of soybeans and corn you know and soybeans i think about 23 or 24 million metric tons of U.S. soybeans in a known and unknown position. In the case of corn, as I said earlier, we're going to probably approach 10. And so those are record levels, at least at this state, for the United States. Will China come on before or, let's say, after this? That's the question. I think the Chinese will kind of slow down their purchasing once we get into October because they really don't want to influence the election any more than they have already.
4: Gotcha. Well, as long as we're talking about demand, the other big factor of corn demand, of course, has been ethanol, which has been under fire since covid really got started do you see an uptick
5: coming in the ethanol industry i really don't i'd like to tell you that ethanol or the demand driver was there domestically and so far we're lacking that and the data still shows that americans are driving somewhere between eight and ten percent less each week in the case of myself we're not coming downtown to the office even though that's where i am today The staff is staying home. People are working from home. That's giving us less gasoline consumption. And because of that, we still think those uh, USDA numbers at 5.1 billion bushels could come down another 100 or 150 million bushels over the crop year. So the domestic market is not a demand driver for corn.
4: Now, uh, on the balance sheet, of course, we're talking demand, but supply is also a huge part of that. Looking at expected yields as combines get ready to roll, do you think USDA is, is online or are we a little short still on their yield projections?
5: I would probably today say it's going to be slightly under, but the early corn yields, and again, I highlight early, have been relatively good. So, you know, we'll get more data. The trade here in Chicago will look at the data and start to make some assessments. I think the next two weeks will be very key for corn yield assessment as we head into that September stocks report later this month.
4: All right. And so you are going to keep your eye on that 380 level if China continues to buy. That's really the the crucible of that price target.
5: Exactly, Mike. And, And really, I would say 370 to 375 is stretching it to the upside if China does not buy or keep up with its buying ways. And so we need our Chinese friends to come and buy more corn. Let's talk the wheat market. We haven't had much to say for the past several months, but things are getting interesting. Well, they are. You know, Mike, as we start to look at the Black Sea, which is where world wheat prices are determined, we're starting to be quite dry. And usually in the middle of September, much of the central areas of Russia have as much as 50 percent of their winter wheat crop in the ground. Today, the estimates are somewhere between 15 and 20 percent. So the, the Black Sea has been dry all the way over to Ukraine and portions of Poland. We need to see rainfall there if we're going to see a better uh, rep- uh, argument going forward for supply. As I think about the wheat market, though, we are now embarking at a very strong rally. I mean, we have wheat prices at the same level as last year in terms of the high and a global perspective. Egypt's been buying. There's lots of demand that's come in the last couple of weeks. Russian prices here this morning are up to about $230 a ton. So we've really moved the wheat market higher. Unfortunately, for the moment, though, the U.S. won't participate in this export demand as our basis bids out of the Gulf are too high. 175 over out of the Gulf makes U.S. wheat too expensive. But again, when you look at corn and bean bids out of the Gulf, they're also expensive because we've already given all that loadout capacity to China.
4: Gotcha. Well, as we're talking soybeans, you mentioned them there just briefly. The soybean rally has been phenomenal. We took out that double top from earlier this year at 380 and a powered upwards north of $10. Same question as the corn market. How aggressive should growers be here before they get into the fields on their sales?
5: Well, I think if we make it up to $1025 to 1040, that's an area that I would be as a farmer looking at making some sales. I think longer term, as we think ahead to our friends in Brazil, they are gonna go fence row to fence row. Brazilian clients, I have an office in Goyo they're looking at you know expanding six to eight percent so if weather is good in south america we're going to see just a tremendous bean crop down there and then they'll follow with a or winter corn crop so i think that farmers need to be targeting this late september early october time frame unless they really want to bet on a weather problem in latin america
4: all right well it's certainly been telling the amount of chinese demand as you mentioned in the first segment for american soybeans do you anticipate that to continue at least through harvest so we think that the, the
5: the uh, the Chinese today have bought, as I said earlier, 23 to 24 million metric tons of beans. That total could make it up to 30 to 32 for the crop year. So the Chinese still have some room to make purchases, but understand that we're getting to the end of this. This has been government buying, largely for the reserves. So at some point, if a politician in China makes the decision that Well, we've got enough right now. Let's not buy. Then the bean market will retrace and could correct rather sizably. All right. Well, let's talk livestock a little bit. We're coming to the end of summer, the end of
4: the grilling season as you look ahead for live cattle pricing. What does that tell you?
5: Well, the cattle market here for another two to three weeks will probably slash around. I don't see getting left below a dollar a pound. I think we're coming into some sport here. But as I look forward, I still have this issue with placements being about you know, somewhere 5 to 7% above last year into the end of the year. So on-feed supplies will be up 6 to 7%. We've got a mountain of red meat to move through. We expect anyway that as we go forward, we will see help from China again, especially on the pork sector. But I do worry a little bit about cattle prices heading into the first quarter. We think if you get February cattle up to 118 or in that vicinity, it's a place as a hedger to start laying off some risk. 118
4: And on pork, what are you watching for price targets here in the short term?
5: We're, we're seeing December hog somewhere between 65 and 67 cents as being an upside extreme. A lot of the pork rally has been, of course, due to the wild boar that was found with African swine fever in Germany. That caused some uh, some speculative demand to come into market, but I think the belly market is getting to a near-term top here, and so I worry that prices will be pulling back, and that U.S. Uh, weekly hog kills will get back to 2.8 or two point eight five billion a million head, which adds a lot of supply, and in really puts, uh, I, I think, tremendous impact on the consumer. Will consumers in the United States keep buying all this red meat as they had during the summertime? All right. Remains to be seen. Thanks so much to Dan Bossi,
4: president of Ag Resource Company.
1: W-G-N.
0: We are about eight minutes away from news time here on WGN radio. But did you have fun at the Farm Progress show this week? No, I didn't either, because I wasn't there, and you weren't there because of the COVID-19 situation, but Max Armstrong was there along with Angelo Lazara and Ryan Rue, our television cameraman for our weekly television show, and so they were able to bring you a lot of activity that you would have seen were you there, but of course you were able to look at it from your easy chair in the living room in front of the TV set. So. We're getting good reports on the fact that you enjoyed what happened at the Farm Progress show since you couldn't be there, and Max Armstrong was there and had the opportunity to visit with the governor of the state of Nebraska since this was a combined show, Farm Progress show, and Husker Harvest Days. And uh, one of his guests, well, the governor of Nebraska. So let's check in with Max right now.
2: Yeah, this was the week of the Farm Progress virtual experience, Oriana, and it was a great show. We've had some great feedback about it. It's still available online if anyone wants to go there. But among the other people we talked with this week was the governor of Nebraska. You see, part of that experience, the Husker Harvest Day show is always held in his state, west of the town of Grand Island, and it was canceled this year. But I visited with Pete Ricketts, and one thing I mentioned to him, Orion, was the experiences you and I have had in that state and how much we enjoyed a few years ago being out there for the Cattlemen's Ball. At the town of West Point, I noted to Governor Ricketts that that is a rather unique community, some very interesting people there who do some amazing things in that small town of West Point.
6: Yeah, West Point is it's a great community. It's in coming County, and... Actually, you know, one of the other things I love pointing out about uh, Cumming County is that it's one of the highest ag gross receipts counties in the country. And that gets back to animal agriculture, livestock. And that's one of the important value-added agricultural things we can do is, you know, uh, as as people say, you know, have that grain or that soybean, you know, walk off the farm. And that's, you know, really one of the things we try to promote is animal agriculture because that is a great value-added agricultural aspect for us. And it's a great, we've got a great history and tradition here. Uh, obviously, we're very strong in cattle. We're number two for all cattle on feed. Uh, we're very strong in hogs and pigs. And then one of the markets we're developing right now is poultry.
2: And, of course, those chickens, are in along with the cattle and hogs, will be consuming corn. That allowed me to talk with Governor Ricketts there in the number three corn-producing state of the country about the ethanol industry and how he feels about it going forward at this point.
6: Corn is number three here in Nebraska. We're the third largest corn producer. And uh, definitely ethanol has really, really been challenged the last couple of years as well. Between the waivers that the EPA has been giving out to oil refineries. And then, of course, just with this pandemic, the reduced demand for gasoline consumption as people have been staying home. It's really been a tough time for ethanol. We have seen a couple of bright spots where the administration allowed us to use E15 all year round. Uh, that is great because E15 is great for your car. You know, it, you know what, what I tell everybody in the ethanol industry is, look, there's three things you got to remember. You're going to save money at the pump, you're going to help clean up the air, and you're going to help our farmers and ranchers. We should be repeating those three things every time we talk about ethanol. And one of the other things that the state is doing is we just finished up an E30 pilot with our state vehicles, working with the University of Nebraska to study mileage and maintenance, so that we can get some information out there, so because you can actually use those higher blends of ethanol in cars that were produced after 2001. And we're going to have some great documentation here probably about the end of September where that all, all that data gets pulled together to be able to talk about. So I'm, I'm excited to be able to discuss that toward the end of the month here. And again, just uh, adding to the body of knowledge about all the benefits of ethanol.
2: Peter Higgins, governor of Nebraska, and comments that he shared with me for our Farm Progress Virtual Experience. That was live this week, Tuesday through Thursday. I believe uh, the first 20 years or so of his working life, he worked for TD Ameritrade, the company founded by his father. Uh, I think it was something like 23 years he was there. He entered the world of politics. He's been the governor of Nebraska for the past five years. Oh, yes, and, and I didn't ask him about the Cubs, but he is, as you know, one of the part owners of the Cubs organization.
0: Yes, indeed. And the Cubs are doing well, so I'm sure it would have made him feel good to have the opportunity to talk about them. But anyway, uh, for the first time in decades, I didn't get to the Farm Progress show, and uh, so that's something I'll look forward to doing next year. But we're almost out of time. We'll check news headlines when we continue here on the Saturday Morning Show. It looks like a beautiful weekend is in store as we say goodbye to summer and hello to uh, autumn or fall or whatever you call it. But we're out of time.